You're listening to Blind Guy Talks Tech, your daily accessible tech podcast. Now, here's that blind guy himself, Stephen Scott. Hey guys, welcome along to another Blind Guy Talks Tech. I am that blind guy, Stephen Scott. Good to have your company today. Uh, we're getting right into it with Karen O'Mahony today, my guest uh, from the National Council for the Blind in Ireland. He's their Chief Technology Officer and he joins me now. Karen, good to have you here. Oh, thanks. Sorry, we're recording. Brilliant. <laughs> yes, we're on, we're on. We're on. I thought that was the rehearsal. So oh, hi. No, there's no re- trust me, Karen, there's absolutely no rehearsal goes on here. Uh, if you've listened to this show, you'll know that. Uh, but listen, uh, it is great to have you here on the programme. Thank you so much for coming on. Tell yeah, us all about uh, your role at uh, the NCBI then. My role is the Chief Technology Officer from the National Council of the Blind of Ireland, probably the equivalent of um, the RNIB in, in the UK. Um, so uh, really, uh, I joined uh, NCBI about two years ago, maybe two and a half years ago, um, and it was the first time they'd employed someone really kind of at, at a, a senior level in the technology side of things. And really, you know, where that came from is that they want, they really wanted to recognize in NCBI the importance that technology plays in the lives of people with sight loss. And so they went to market and they found me and lucky them. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> so basically what I want to do, and really I've, I've, I've never worked in, in the charity sector before. Uh, before that, I, I worked in many technology companies. I've built many, um, uh, many mobile applications and websites and things like that and I've run technology teams and all those kind of cool things and um, I was worked in, in Ryanair for a while and, and I worked in um, e-commerce and various other other tech roles but as someone with sight lots myself and I was just telling you there just before the, 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 the intro piece when I didn't realise we were live but um, we have I have personally about maybe about 17% vision um, so uh, nystagmus is, is my eye condition I was born uh, born with nystagmus it's never improved it's never gotten worse uh, it's got a little bit worse actually lately but uh, in general what I found throughout my own career is that I've use technology more and more to overcome any obstacle. And really that was my pitch to the NCBI board and the executive saying, you know, technology is this huge enabler for someone with sight loss and the NCBI needs to get behind that. Because as I was growing up, I was um, what we call a service user. I'm not sur- sure if the, if the RNIB and other organizations use the same terminology, but um, so I was a service user of NCBI and I found more and more as, as I grew older, I needed less support because they weren't offering me technology-based support. And that's what that's what I was, you know, that's mm. what I needed as someone who was progressing in education, someone's progressing in, 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 in their career. You know, what's the right monitor to use? You know, um, what's the right, you know, magnification tools to use? You know, is um, is a specific voiceover the way to go, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I kind of just went off and, and started to overcome them myself, and eventually it got to a point where I realized that I no longer, you know, as someone with limited vision, I was no longer going for the very biggest screen or you know the very biggest laptop I could get my hand on. That was always my concern. You know, I was like, how can I get the biggest screen possible? And as you know, inbuilt accessibility tools got better and better, I found that you know I can use a 13-inch MacBook. Pro, rather than needing a really, really expensive, you know, um, you know, 16 inch and 17 inch, which got less and less common. So when I joined the NCBI, I really wanted to embed that, that mantra in the NCBI that, you know, technology is this key enabler for people with sight loss. And it really needs to be at the forefront of how we provide a service in NCBI. So what I did is I went in and I said, you know what, all the technology you're using is, is terrible, frankly. Um, and I, I said it, 
quite a bit more bluntly to the board. Apparently, you're not supposed to curse at board meetings. And, um, <laughs> you know, I said, we need to get behind this. You know, we, we can't have a, a staff and a workforce that are using um, technology that's not even up to date. You know, people can't take in 20 minutes to turn on their laptop. We need to get rid of all that. So we went through a whole digital transformation in NCBI, primarily with the focus of saying, giving staff the tools they need to, you know, be at the forefront of technology. You know, and then from that, then I built out a, a technology team in in NCBI. We had a scattered, you know, regional-based technology team, so I centralized all of that under under myself. And you know, that took a bit of work. And we we brought the team together and made sure the team, again, our team, who are the people teaching technology to our service users, understood technology and understood the importance it played. And they were a great, great bunch of team, a great, great bunch of people, and they really came together under you know the focus and that mantra of technology being such a key enabler so we went a little bit beyond not just teach the same old things you know what i mean you know so you know teach our, our our trainers how how you know smart technology can be used to overcome some of the basic challenges that people have with sight loss for example not being able to read the newspaper or not embracing books etc etc so you know let me give you a personal example for for a long long time i never read i always thought that you know uh, reading wasn't something that that was for me you know I mean, I tell people I'm not a reader. And then obviously I found Audible and I found like smart speakers. And then, you know, little things like that started to become key enablers in my life. And I wanted to really, you know, give people our, uh, give people in NCBI the tools that they needed to, to teach people that as well. Because sometimes it's not just about learning to touch type if you are a voiceover user. Sometimes it's like, I want to know how to use Netflix and I want to be able to turn on audio descriptions myself. And I, you know, I want to be able to sit down in the morning and, and ask um, a smart device what um, what the actual uh, what the news is or what the weather is and all of those things give independence and that's the real thing that I want to bring in the NCBI we still do all the things that we always did like you know or orientation training which you know uh, or, or and there's tools associated with that and we still do all the you know the you know we teach people how to use voiceover or JAWS or whatever the case may be or whatever their preferred one is but I really wanted it to be a much more holistic approach in NCBI you know and say that what is the key thing, you know, especially for someone that may have gone through a period of, of recent sight loss, like what's the thing that you miss or what's the thing that's your key blocker to you, you know, or if you're someone that's had long-term sight loss, you know, in, in your life at the moment, like what's the thing that, you know, is, is an obstacle to you and is there an opportunity for us to fix it? Like one of the, one of the things I would say to, 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 to people all the time is that, you know, you can come into somewhere like NCBI and we can say, you know, we can offer you a uh, uh, an iPad, an iPhone, uh, and a MacBook for the same price as you would have paid for some very clunky piece of assistive technology. And I can say, personally, I'd rather the Mac and the iPhone and the iPad, you know, rather than a CCTV, you know, for example. Um, so, and that's that's the kind of the, the thinking that I really wanted to, to be at the forefront of of how um, NCBI provides its, its services around technology. And it's been... It's been a journey. It's it's you know the team have really gotten behind me. The board have gotten behind it, and we've seen some some great uh, new and, and increased interactions on technology. And the feedback has, has been great from service users. So we're 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 really here to to showcase the best in technology and the best in not only purely assistive technology but mainstream technology and how that can how that can be used to um, to to enable people to live their life independently. And that's that's obviously you know uh, the most important thing. 
I mean, there's so much to unpack out of all that, but it, but it really is interesting to hear you talk about the use of mainstream tech. You know, it's funny, when I started doing the, the radio thing, the, the, the tech radio show, 10 years ago, it was all on the basis of mainstream technology and how mainstream technology could improve the lives of blind people and ideally do it using equipment that we could buy out of a Curry's or a PC World or a Dixon's of old or a Comet of old or whatever the the shop of choice was, right? And it seemed to me that nobody was talking about that. It was all specialist technology. That was what it was all about. And it's interesting because I've I've gone really round round and back again with this because I've gone through the experience of losing my own or more vision later in life and realizing the benefit of specialist tech as well and learning how specialist technology can really make the difference in some respects because first of all it's like a walled garden right you can't really get too lost in it you can't stray off too far you know i think about things like Snaptic or the blanchell classic smartphone or mm-hmm. you know even a victor rear stream or you know those kind of devices that are very specialist uh, they are built for blind people. I mean, granted, you know, the the Synaptic software is an app on top of an Android smartphone, but ultimately sure. you're kind of still within that walled garden to some degree. And I just think it's interesting because obviously we have so much choice available to us, but for some people, specialist is still, it's still going to be needed, isn't it? You know, do you know what I, I, I think myself? You know, I think specialist technology will always have a place in supporting people with sight loss, you know, because... One of the things that, and we we run virtual technology clubs around the country uh, in in Ireland, so where people can talk about how how they use technology and and use technology to overcome their specific you know type of sight loss because you know sight loss is such a huge spectrum you know and you know there's different ages associated with there's people come to sight loss at different points in their lives some people like myself or and you were saying you you, you were born with some level of sight loss you know the it. It, it's different for everyone, you know, and everyone needs a spe- specific tool or a specific need or a specific type of magnification, or they might be on a different part of their learning in terms of using voiceover or whatever the case may be. Or emotionally, they might be ready for some of these tools, you know, which is which is a factor that we see a lot as well. That's a massive point, isn't it? Yeah, that some people just aren't emotionally ready to make that, that switch. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and it happens over and over again where people come to us and, and we, we, you know, let's say they have an iPhone and we're, we're looking at voiceover as a tool. They don't, it's not that they can't learn it, but they don't want to learn it because they're not ready to learn it. You mm-hmm. know, it, it, there's too much other things that they're processing and, and it's a huge loss. It's, uh, you know, and, and, and I, you know, I, I couldn't underestimate that. But I, I hey, think listen, just, I mean, for, 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 I mean, from my point of view, yeah. I resisted screen readers at every turn because yeah. I thought I don't need this. I can just I can just keep whacking up the magnification, you know, 55 inch TV, 500 times magnification. A letter on the screen, which you could read from space. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Uh, I'll yeah. just keep going with that. And then there comes a point where you think, do you know what? This is not working for me anymore. I'm not getting anything done. And yeah. that's when the switch happens. It's when you realize you can be more efficient using the other. That takes a lot of time. And it's different for someone coming to it from already visually impaired vision getting worse. Mm. The experience of someone coming to sight loss, that's like falling down a mountain. You know, yeah. that's a yeah. whole different experience. It's very, very different. 
And, and I've I've seen that. I have a relation of mine who went through. Um, he's in his his mid fifties, and he went through a very rapid sight loss. And I was showing him the power of of voiceover, and he just you know. You know, at very early on, he just refused it and quite, you know, verbally told me this is not for me. I'm not ever learning that. And, you know, a couple of years into his own sight loss journey now, he is a voice over expert. I mean, he's way ahead of, of the mm. limited skills that I, that I would have and loves it, you know, and and you see that more and more. And I think just to just to emphasize my point, though, I think, you know, on on the on the piece of of, of super specialist technology, I'm not saying um, that that won't have a place. I think it always has a place, you know what I mean? Because but I think more and more as mainstream technology embeds in part of the core technology that it's using, you know, um, like Apple's really promoting the accessibility features, you know, they're making a part of, of the OS on Mac and, 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 um, and phone. And you're seeing, you know, Microsoft are starting to, you know, really at their core, you know, push the accessibility in every single release. And, you know, Android is, is eventually catching up. Sorry, I'm not an Android person. Uh, so I love teasing it a little bit, but you know, no, you're, you're welcome here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we have a we have a running uh, running debate on our own um, our own podcast in the NCBI talking technology where uh, we once once every about six months we'll do a big debate on which is better iOS and Android. But you know, so far I think iOS is just a little bit in the lead. Um, do you but, know the thing though? Here's the thing about that, right? Yeah. So I think it comes down to the fact now we have so much choice, and I think that's the best bit, right? Yeah, and that's We've got choice, yeah. and it kind of it kind of widens out onto your top, your point about specialist. I think that what happens is. And I'm guilty of this. I've been guilty of this over the years. And I've said this on the show. And, and you know, if there was one thing I would say I regretted most, it was essentially pitching specialist and mainstream against each other. Because the truth is, both can work. I think there's this idea that if you get an iPhone and you've got used to it, that, you know, you, could, you may as well just chuck your Victor Reader in the, in the bin because you'll never use it again. And I don't agree with that. I, I don't agree with that. And I, I think that... We have to, as you know, in your case, in, in your job, you know, dealing directly with people, in my case, talking to people in a podcast, you know, I want to really push the point that, that everything is important. And it is, it's what's relevant to you. For example, if I'm going on holiday, right, I've got this thing over here. It's the solo, just got it the other week, uh, solo uh, USB audio player, right? It's a tiny, tiny little thing, almost, you know, almost Walkman size, but a little bit smaller than that. And, um, for the, for the young people, they won't know what the hell that is. But yes, a Walkman it was Walkman. something that us old folk used to use uh, to listen to cassette tapes. Look them yeah. up on the internet. Um, they did exist. Remember them? <laughs> yeah. But um, the thing about this is, you know, this is a great holiday product for me. You know, going on holiday, I don't want to take, I don't want to be sitting there with my phone, which is, you know, going to be used for navigation. It's going to be used for communication, taking pictures, you know, all the stuff you do on holiday. I don't want the battery being run down by me listening to all my audiobooks. So I can have this device to do that for me. And it's separate. It means I'm not getting endless notifications over the top of my talking book. You know, I'm not getting email from here or text from there. And that's the point about specialist tech. You know, it's about thinking of it in a much wider sense of, you know, well, this can be used for a purpose. It's very accessible. Um, if I lose it, it's not the end of the world. But if I lost my iPhone, well, that would be rather annoying, you know, so I can keep that safely out of the way and I can use this on the move or whatever. And if, I'm, you know, it falls and gets damaged or whatever, then so be it. That's the point, right? It's about the mm. choice and it's about knowing that it's horses for courses. It could be that you still maybe want a few different devices in your life. 
And I think even for, for, for me personally, I would say the same thing is that, you know, I, I went on holidays there for a couple of weeks um, to Portugal and, and, you know, you do want to switch off from your phone. Like I, I use my I use my iPhone for, for everything for, you know, reading my, my little girl, her bedtime story so I can magnify the text right through to, you know, seeing the, the signage in an airport, you know, which is mm. um, which is something that, you know, I've always struggled with. But what I do when I go on holidays, I still throw uh, uh, an old uh, monocular in, in my backpack just in case, you know what I mean? Because if the battery goes dead midway through an airport, you don't, you know what I mean? You, you, you don't have that reliance. So, and as much as growing up, I, I didn't enjoy using them. I find having that as, as, as a, and that is a pure specialist piece of, it's not really technology, but you know, um, it, it's, it's a specialist device for sight loss and it's, it's, it has its place still in, in my day, daily carry, you know, it's something that, um, is there for when I need it, you know? If you still get the one, I, I still have the one I got at school. Yeah, it's still that's still the one I got. I've I've actually two, and I hate one of them. There's <laughs> <laughs> one too big by any chance because I had yeah, this problem. One was huge, and you can't and get them. The, the first one I have is quite small, and it fits in the yes. palm of my hand. And um, I, I have it on my desk here somewhere. But and I love it, and it's it's just it, because you, also it's discreet, and you know no one wants to to, to draw attention to themselves. Mm. And, you know when when you're out in the bed, and I can kind of slip it, you know, in my fist and kind of just hold my fist up to my to my eye to see to see um to see the bus numbers or see, read the something at a distance and, and and that can be like whereas the other one i can't do that it's just i'm like why did you it, it's the exact same magnification as the smaller one so why did you you know not make a smaller one why did you make a bigger one so i don't know you can't get the smaller one anymore so it's like a it's i really hope i never lose it <laughs> i know it's, it's amazing though, isn't it the technology that you know you think how long this stuff lasts as well you know i mean it yeah, lasts forever yeah. this thing i want to yeah. ask you about braille because you know, I ask this from a personal level because I've just, well, I say you've just, I mean, I've been learning Braille again for a long time. But, you know, it's funny, in the past few months, I've been using it, like, around the home for my job. I'm starting to use it more. If I've got my note here, for example, for, you know, the weekend edition we do. I've got mm. all my, because one thing, I, if you listen to the weekend edition, you'll know that I am hopeless at playing the little jingles in because I can't remember where any of them are on the keyboard. I can't remember <laughs> what number I've associated. So I thought, right, what I'm going to do is write them all down on this Braille note here, uh, yeah. literally on Braille paper on the off the Perkins, you know, bang out the, you know, what each number is, what the relevant, you know, key does and all the rest of it. So I've got that information. Let's see how well that works uh, in reality. But, you know, the fact is I've got this reference guide here, which is great. How do you find or, or do you find people are coming to you still and asking about Braille? And what's the response of, of an organization like NCBI? What are, we, what are you talking about uh, when it comes to Braille? Are you encouraging it, discouraging it, encouraging people to go to other means do, do you know let me give you the, just a, give me my personal kind of background with braille um and then i'll uh, talk about it from from ncbi's mm. perspective so you know i went to it when i went to primary school i'm not sure if it's the same um terminology in the uk but but you know up to about 12 uh with that school i was just in a mainstream school and then as i went into secondary school um uh which is you know 12 to to, to 17 18 uh, i went to m more of a specialist school for people with sight loss and and that was really my first exposure to to braille you know and and it, back then it was pure perkins you know everything was you know even the 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 teachers would would manually type out you know in braille the the, the books for the for the kids in the school and you know and and i saw how, how important it was and, and just how you know the biggest obstacle we had back then was you know the material wasn't as available and when i joined ncbi uh you know god 
20 over 20 odd years later after leaving after leaving that school i was surprised that braille wasn't still as prominent you know in, in the organization and uh, and something that that i had seen you know uh, a couple of friends who who are braille users and seeing how, how 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 well it can be used from a technology standpoint you know and how you know um it, it has come on so much um it's something that uh, we've started in ncbi now to get more and more behind you know because i think there was a period where it wasn't as um we didn't have the expertise you know as much as we we did for for a while so what we've done in my team now i can't speak i can only speak for the technology team as opposed to the rest of the organization but we've started getting more and more um, technology-based braille devices in we're reaching out to a lot of the suppliers and say you know guys i realize these are expensive devices but we need the tools in-house to teach our staff then to teach out you know uh, braille in there so um to answer your question a short way are we encouraging it? absolutely it's a hugely powerful tool um i think we went through a dip in terms of the overall support but that's changing and we're getting back involved in that now and to say that we've we've started up a couple of programs so we're, we're doing we're doing specific based um trail or sorry trail braille uh based uh, training now through my team and, and, and service users can contact us and, and and sign up for it and we'll, we'll do um group-based training on it and one-to-one based training on it as well as particularly around the technology side of things we've been numerous devices now in uh, and around the country um in a lot of our service locations where people co- come in and um you know experiment with them find out which is the best braille device for them now i'm talking specifically around the tech ones but Mm-hmm. You know, it is something that we we want to get behind more and more because it's a powerful tool, and that's just that's just the reality of it. You know, Do you um, know, I, I find it very refreshing to hear what you've said because I think that it, that sums it up actually pretty well. And I think some organisations, frankly, are quite nervous to say that out loud. And I think you should be proud right. of saying that in oh. the sense of the the admitting the fact that there was a dip. And now you're back. And I think that the reason for that, if we're all honest about it, is is the technology. The technology has made it possible to take Braille volumes and yeah. turn them into, you know, files that you can just have on this tiny little device in front of you. And that is that is so powerful. That is so powerful. And I think, you know, I mean, I see through organizations like the Braillists Foundation in the UK, you know, you've got you know fantastic resources. I mean, they are doing an incredible job of promoting Braille and, you know, teaching Braille. And I think, you know, you look about Hadley in the States, they've just developed a new Braille course, mm-hmm. uh, which is all about, you know, Braille for everyday living. So not thinking about, you know, reading War and Peace on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> that's not the that's not the goal here. It's, you know, things like I'm doing, taking brief notes or just having bits of information around that you can quickly get. And, you know, when I do this kind of job and you do your kind of job with the podcast, mm. you know, you want to get access to information. Now, if you've got some vision and you can use that, that's great. You know, for me, I just want to be able to get that information quickly um, without having to use my vision or remaining vision that's left, right? So that's that's good. We we have the choice. We have the tools. Um, so I, I think that's a really positive thing. I, I just want to ask you quickly about the podcast. So um, for people who don't know, what is it? Where can we find it? What's on it? So um, our podcast basically evolved. Um, I think there, there there was a previous technology podcast a number of years ago before I joined, and that that gentleman had had left um, NCBI, so the podcast kind of left with him. And it was one of those things when 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 I started bringing the technology team together in, in NCBI, the biggest thing that a, a lot of our service users were coming to us was is that there, there, there's so much information on assistive technology out there that we needed to convey to people. 
So through COVID-19, there was an, an urgency to start, you know, giving people this information at a, at a, at a broader level. So that our podcast kind of evolved out of that one. And um, we start, we kicked them all off as um, live events on Microsoft Teams. So we would do once a week, right the way through um, from about, mm, I think, April 2020. And once a week, we would do a, a live show where people could interact with us. They could ask us questions on a Q&A pane. And then we started devolving it more into a podcast that was available on demand so uh, the tech it's called the talking technology podcast with ncbi labs um and it's run every second week now at the moment and it's it is still broadcast live every tu- every second tuesday and you can listen live on on microsoft teams and um there's a link available from ncbi.ie um, just go to the events page and um uh, you'll be able to um uh, access the, the link directly from there it's a fully accessible website by the way um which surprisingly a lot of um uh, site loss charities don't have which i think is amazing but i'm saying um, nothing yeah i i have a real bee in my bonnet about this one so don't get me yeah, started on, on it's, it's utter, i'm sorry but it's utterly ridiculous why, why would yeah. a, a site loss organization doesn't have a a website that's accessible i mean come on really uh, it's it's, it's 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 beyond belief. Um, so and it's actually it just to go off on a, a nice tangent, which are very good for <laughs> for podcasts. But mm-hmm. uh, it was one of the my top priorities. Um, and and I, I remember sitting down and having a conversation with with, with someone in, in NCBI, and they were saying, "Well, why is our why is our website going to cost this much?" And I went, "Because it needs to be accessible, and we need to showcase how an accessible website can be built and be the leader in the field, as opposed to someone saying, let 'Let's kind of be accessible.' Mm-hmm. And you know what? The argument was was very much met, and I can be a bit of a bulldog about this this kind of stuff. To be honest, in the organisation, got to be, uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 now we have, you know, we've a we've a triple A on anything to do with with, with any of the areas of the WCAG guidelines to do with site loss, and and beyond. But we're we're double A compliant on the WCAG um, uh, guidelines for almost everything, hundred percent scores and everything. And we've got, you know, it's you know what the the best feedback I've ever gotten on a project, and I've delivered hundreds of websites over my career is we had service users contact us directly unprompted and say, in all the times I've used technology, I've never used a website that's so easy to navigate. So if you're looking for our, our, our podcast, you can go to the ncbi.ie website. The navigation is, is works perfectly with screen readers. We even found bugs in JAWS that they are still refusing to fix, um, but that's gone down wow. a whole, a whole nother, hundred thousand. But um, so we work great with a development team who are really embracing how you can, you know, I wanted to prove one thing with the website and that was we can make a very visually contemporary appealing website that's also fully acceptable accessible and i think that's something that people struggle with a little bit in the commercial world is that when they hear accessibility they don't they don't believe that ux or ui and accessible design can meet the same standards of brand guidelines and all the thing and i really want to prove that with the ncbi website so do do come to the website have a have a look around and if you have any feedback and any improvements we will actually take them and, and build them you know we want to we want want this website to be a showcase for the best and accessible design and you know not only for people with low vision but for people with no vision right way through to motor issues etc it's not just sight loss um uh, uh, focused um so on the on the obviously our podcast the talking technology podcast that's available um to everyone on all the usual um all the usual uh, platforms like apple and, and google and all those type of things what was really interesting i, I think you, you you've probably seen seen the same through the development of, of your own podcast is that 
the appetite really for information on assistive technology is so huge and, and podcasts are just such a, a wonderful medium for people to you know passive or active listen through you know topics that are are so helpful i I've, i always love listening to the see it we, we have a segment called seeing it your way on our podcast where we invite people with with sight loss on to describe their own journeys and how technology has helped them and and every time i listen to it i always come away with some tip that i hadn't thought of oh i can use a smart device like this or i can use a this is how i use my apple watch or my iphone and i think that's a that's a you know lived experiences on 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 podcasts are just a wonderful way to, to convey information so and as i said earlier we also have our, our kind of six monthly debate on whether ios or, or android is the better <laughs> the better platform you're never <laughs> going to stop that debate i think i think yeah. we always know what will come out top but then so many bugs on ios recently i don't know it might be um it's, i'm playing around at the yeah. moment with a samsung uh, flip phone, which I must say, I love the flip phone. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and I find the Android accessibility. If I just, if I just stop thinking about it, if I just use it, I, I kind of just get on with it. Okay, you know, it's, it's a strange one. I think the problem is when when us Apple guys tend to switch over to Android for whatever period of time, there's always a little bit of right. Okay, how how bad is this? And you know, you almost drive it in a way you wouldn't drive your iPhone. If you treated well, your iPhone the same way, you'd probably find the same problems. So I don't know. Well, it's one interesting. of the things that, that's interesting, and a friend of mine pointed this out recently, and he's like, "You're, you're," because every once in a while, I'll, I'll pick up an Android phone and try it for a week or two, and then just go, "Ah, this is terrible," and I'll, I'll you know, throw it away. And it's, it's, the, it's, it's the girl you never call back. I mean, it always yeah, yeah, is. Then I'll ghost the phone, you know, and the phone will yeah. feel a little bit jealous, and about six <laughs> months later, I'll try it again, you know, and then I realize I didn't like it. Um, yeah. But what what can happen too is that uh, this is the point he made is that you're comparing, like, so I use. A, I use an iPhone Pro Max. Basically, I don't care about the Pro. I just want the big screen. You yeah. know, the screen as big as I can get. So, um, and but every time I try the iPhone, he's like, "You're trying or trying an Android phone." He said, like, "You're trying a cheap Android phone. You're, it's like you know, it's like comparing it like a Fiesta with a Ferrari in terms of cost. You know, in terms of the. So, I, I have on my list one day, you know, uh, to try and find someone that'll lend me like a, a higher end Android phone and see if I have the same issue. But you know what I did recently, and I'll be, I'm actually curious to hear. Um, I, I'm not sure if you're a Windows or a Mac user personally, but. Um, as someone with low vision, I've, I, I, I switched to Mac about uh, five years ago, maybe. And I found for, for a low vision user, Mac, it just, it's just so much easier to use, you know, in terms of their magnification, their inbuilt magnification works brilliantly. So about three or four weeks ago, maybe a little longer, I, I um, I said, I'd go back to Windows, and I still find magnification really challenging on, on Windows, like particularly around tools like Teams and things like that. It just, as a low vision user, I just don't think it's quite um, um, quite as, 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 as polished as Mac. And I'd be, I'd be curious to see if, if any of your listeners have any, uh, any opinions, or even, uh, even yourself directly. But um, Well, yeah, I must admit, I, I can't speak to that too much. I find that I, I can't use a screen at all pretty much on a computer hmm. anymore. So I, but I will say that I certainly felt I could use the Mac with magnification up until the end. Whereas I could not do it. I think it's because the magnification on a Mac is is so smooth. It's so buttery smooth. Yeah, it always works. So. Whereas I find that the magnifier, although it's good in Windows and it is, um, it's just it's, it's a bit more clunky. It tends to judder a lot more, and that can really throw you off. Obviously, there's Zoom Text, there's Supernova, there's other options out there. Mm -hmm. But with the built-in tools, I think that the Mac kind of wins it for me. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, I must admit, I haven't, I don't I haven't think I've seen a proper Windows machine screen for a long time, so I can't say yeah, too much. Yeah. Uh, listen, kind of, I need to run, but listen very quickly. Tell us about your website. Uh, you mentioned it already, but, but tell us again uh, about your website and any contact information for people who want to uh, find out more directly from you guys. So uh, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, the website is www.ncbi.ie. It's the National Council for the Blind of Ireland. Um, so if you want more information on the technology side of things, we um, and we also offer uh, you know nine to five support for for people with sight loss as well. So you can send us an email to uh, labs l a b s at uh, ncbi.ie, and, and we'll certainly get back to you. And do look up uh, the podcast that's out there, and um, just ncbi.ie, and just browse through or navigate through to the events page, and you'll find it. But uh, thanks a million for, for having me on today. It's been a wonderful chatting and catching up. Absolutely. Kyron O'Mahony from the National Council for the Blind in Ireland speaking there. That's it for our episode today. Thank you so much for listening. Just a reminder, no weekend edition coming up on this weekend's uh, podcast. But if you uh, stick around for the 7th of May, yes, the weekend edition will return that weekend. And it's also a special one because it's our 100th episode. Yes, I can't believe we've made it this far. But 100 episodes of our show we celebrate on the 7th of May, which is the Saturday, of course, meaning the weekend edition. We are in full party mode. So get your emails in. Uh, and we'll gather them all together for an extra special, no doubt extra long episode to fit in all the emails as well. Uh, we'll get right into it on uh, Saturday, 7th of May. But for now, thank you for listening. And of course, we're back tomorrow. If you want even more Blind Guy in your life, visit blindguytalkstech.com for previous episodes. Find us on your podcast apps or ask Lady A or Lady G to play Blind Guy Talks Tech Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Catch you tomorrow.